Over the next two weeks, we will be wrapping up our sermon series on calling and gift. And we're looking at two individuals, two case studies. This morning, we're going to be looking at Samuel as a case study. So he's got two books in the Old Testament named after. And then next week, we're going to be looking at Shamgar. How many of you have heard of Shamgar? Uh, His name only appears in two verses in all the Bible. So if you've never heard of Shamgar, don't worry about it. We'll look at it next week. Before we read the scripture today that looks at God's calling upon Samuel, I wanted to give you a little bit of a background into what's happening before we get to the scripture that we're going to read. Now, there was, this was in the time of Israel's history before there were kings, when there were still judges. And there was a man named Eli, and he was, a, he was an old priest, and he had two sons, and he, those two sons were really good for nothing. They were interested in their own gain. Um, they took the best parts of sacrifices from people who were coming to make sacrifices. Instead of offering it upon the altar to the Lord, they took it for themselves to eat. Now, Eli, kind of seeing this, knew that his sons really couldn't take over the mantle. At the same time as this is happening, there's a man named Elkanah, and he had two wives, but his favorite wife was Hannah. But Hannah's problem was that she was barren. And so it comes about one day that Hannah is praying to the Lord, like many of us do, under, kind of under your breath. And Eli sees Hannah doing this. And um, Eli says, you know, come on, woman. It's not even that, that late and you're already drunk. She says, oh, no, 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 I'm praying to the Lord because I'm barren. And she and Eli have a conversation, and, and what comes out of it is that if Hannah does have a son, miraculously, because the Lord enables her to, that she would dedicate him to the service of God under Eli's care and protection. That's where we begin today. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Welcome to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Trinity is a member congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and the Acts 29 Network. We are located in Owasso, Oklahoma. Follow us at trinityowasso.com. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trinity Owasso. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. 
And Samuel, Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I didn't call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he rose and went to Eli, perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Two of the most important conversations that I ever had in my life happened when I was 11 years old. And 15 years old. As I consider my path from a small town in Texas to the best university in the world, Texas A&M University, whoop! See, when you have an Aggie preaching, you don't get Aggie jokes, right? (laughs) To a number of years in engineering, to seminary, to ministry to college students, and here, as an associate pastor, a Trinity Presbyterian church in a place called Owasso, Oklahoma. Two of the most critical conversations to get me here happened when I was 11 and I was 15. And they weren't, they weren't conversations with my parents. The first conversation was with a teacher in sixth grade named Mrs. Davenport. And the second conversation was with a high school band director named Mr. Myers when I was a sophomore in high school. When you think back upon your life and you think, how did I get to where I am now? My hunch is you could look back on very early conversations, whether that's in your teenage years and your 20s, and say, this is how the Lord spoke to me in this time to eventually get me to where I am right now. And we all have similar stories. Whether that's you ended up in the military, whether that's you ended up as a nurse or a stay-at-home mom or a physician, you don't just simply wake up one day and say, I'm a physician or I'm going to stay-at-home mom. These things come to us over a series of years in typically a small handful of conversations that really impact who we are. One of the problems in understanding our calling and gifts is really trying to to parse the question, I see how the Lord's been at work, but what now? Sometimes that's because of the stage of life. You have little kids who are running through your house all day long, and your greatest desire in all the world, it's not for money, it's not for sex, it's for silence. 
And you get into retirement age. And you ask the question, I've had a long or maybe successful career. Is X or Y or Z? What now? What is my purpose, my calling, apart from the 40 years that I had doing this particular occupation? There's questions, either big or small, that are very similar, that pervade our lives, regardless of our station. And kids, kids, can I get your attention for a second? The boy, Samuel, that we just read about, do you know how old he was? He was about 11 or 12 years old. That's when God called Samuel to do what he was going to do for as long as he lived. Kids, youth, do not think that God's calling upon your life comes in college or comes after college. God might be calling you into something very special even now. Talk with your parents, talk with your grandparents, and ask about those conversations that they had ways in which God called them even at a young age. This morning, we're going to look at three things. Really pithy, but it's here so that we'll remember it. The first thing we're going to look at is that God calls, number one, who he wants. God calls how he wants. And number three, God calls into what he wants. So God calls who he wants, how he wants, and into what he wants. As I said just a second ago, it says here in verse 1, now the boy, Samuel. You can gain some insight into how old he was if you read the first two chapters of 1 Samuel. There is also a lot of Jewish literature about this, um, even up until Jesus' day. That, that speculates as well, he was about 11 or 12, because this was a famous story, the calling of this boy Samuel, because it lays the groundwork for something very important, which we'll look at at the end today. But God calls Samuel, even when he is a boy, he calls who he wants. There was nothing amazing or miraculous about Samuel except his birth to Hannah, who happened to be barren. And the Lord heard her prayer and answered. But if you saw in the text here that Samuel was ministering to the Lord, but it says he didn't even yet know the Lord. He was there, and he was, he was in the presence of Eli the priest. He was doing the vow that his own mother had had vowed for him. But it's not because Samuel was there and he was the most amazing among the kids. You know, if if you play tennis and you watch tennis tournaments, you see the ball boys and the ball girls, right? And they're on their knee and they're waiting to get the, the balls that have been errantly hit or fallen down. They have tryouts for that. So the ones that you see, they are the best at chasing down tennis balls and staying out of the way. As kids get into 
sixth, seventh, eighth grade, there are tryouts for sports teams. But here, into this extremely important position, there was no tryout for Samuel. He was just simply there. God calls who he wants. He calls who he wants. Maybe, in a very real way, he is calling you. It's not like just God calls people with seminary degrees or people who are very successful at business. He calls who he wants. And he also calls how he wants. I find this, this middle section here to be really funny. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But God calls how he wants. There has been... In the last maybe 140 years, especially in the United States, and especially within the evangelical church, a very narrow understanding about the way that God calls people. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard it presented like this. If you want to figure out what God is calling you to do, you need to take your Bible you need to go off alone, and you need to pray until God gives you an answer and then come back. Many of us have heard it like that. But the way that this text talks about calling shows that there's a massive error in thinking about calling just like that. Can God call that way? Of course. I mean, God's God, right? We don't want to bind him according to our rules, but does he have to call people in that way? No, not at all. So let's look at it. God calls how he wants. First is, sometimes when God calls, you think it's someone else. We see this, uh, you see it in verse five here. Samuel says, here I am for you, the you being Eli called me. Samuel hears the Lord's voice Samuel gets up, goes to Eli, and he says, Here I am, for you called me. The Lord was calling. Samuel didn't think it was the Lord. He thought it was the voice of someone else. So sometimes when God calls, you actually think it's the voice of someone else. You mistake God's voice for the voice of another. And then sometimes... When you think God calls you, it's actually not God. This is, this is of the same principle that I was taught maybe 20 years ago. Scott, you, I'm going to try to say it in the words that my friend told me. Scott, sometimes when you think you feel the Holy Spirit, it might not be the Holy Spirit. It might just be the burrito that you ate for lunch. That could be true, right? Sometimes it probably is the burrito. Sometimes it is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's other things altogether. But sometimes when you think God calls you, it's not actually God. We see a really interesting example of this in the life of Abram and Sarai and Sarai's maidservant, Hagar. In Genesis 16, I want to read you this. But in Genesis, God has come to Abram and to Sarai and tells them, you're going to have a son. 
all the nations in the earth are going to be blessed through you. But the problem is, they didn't have any kids. Sarah was barren, and she was way past the age of having children. And Abraham was very old as well. So how's this going to work? God promises as a child, but we're too old to have children. And not just too old, we're way too old to have children. And then here's what happens in Genesis 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Do you see what happens here? Abram hears the voice, and the text says he listened to the voice of his wife, but he didn't just think it was Sarai's voice. He thought it was God's voice through her. This must be the way that God is going to fulfill his promises. I need to make Hagar my wife. And so he does that. A baby is born. The baby's named Ishmael. And that baby is not the promised child. God comes to them again and says, you made, you made a bit of a mistake there. The son that I'm going to give you, your own wife, Sarai, is going to have. It's not going to be through your maidservant. In other words, Abram, you thought you were hearing my voice. That was not my voice. I did not tell you to do this. So sometimes when you think God calls you, it's not actually God. And then sometimes when God calls, he does so through others. It was about 18 months ago, and Pastor Blake was on really in the middle of his five-month sabbatical. And I had the, the great pleasure and honor of, in a way, acting as interim lead pastor so I was preaching every week. Um, the church seemed to be going well. It didn't tank. And some of you are thinking, yeah, because Blake came back. Now, I was doing that. I had the, had the privilege of having two youth interns under me, Hannah and Nathan. Uh, I had the privilege of hiring our first operations director, Matt Lemond. So um, I thought, man, this is... I'm really excited to be working with these folks and everything. And I saw in that period, in that summer, how well the youth interns were doing. They were absolutely killing it. They were taking, in a way, the youth off of my plate so I could focus on the many other things that needed to be focused on. And after the internship was up, I sat down to have exit interviews with Hannah and with Nathan. And at that time, Nathan um, had been planning to do a two-year internship after graduation from college with Reformed University Fellowship, our, our campus ministry of, of our denomination. 
and he was really excited. I remember asking Nathan, I said, you know, you've gotten a taste of full-time ministry. Nathan was considering being a, a, hist- a high school history teacher. He loves history. He loves teaching. And I said, so now that you've gotten a taste of it, do you, do you want to go into ministry? He goes, oh, yeah, it makes me really, really excited for the RUF internship. I can't wait to graduate and begin my two years there. And I said, well, that sounds great, Nathan. Now, let me tell you my plan for your life. And I said, you can do that, or we can hire you full-time as a youth director whenever you're done. And while you are full-time as a youth director, we can also pay for your seminary. So if you go to seminary concurrently, you get to continue the relationships that you had with the youth. You get to continue being a part of Trinity. How does that sound? I don't remember ex- exactly what his response was, but it was something, man, I wasn't planning on that. That was a, it was a big moment. If you don't know, um, Nathan actually took the job as youth director. And he started on June 1. It was Nathan who read the first scripture reading. And he's doing a fabulous job. Did God call Nathan to be our youth director? Well, yeah. Because that's what he's doing. And he loves it. Did God call him through someone else? Yeah. I told Nathan, here's what you need to do with your life. Maybe you've had some conversations like that. I know both of the, the two conversations that I talked about at the beginning of this sermon, they were in line with that. When I was 11 and 15, here's what you really need to consider for your life, Scott. Sometimes when God calls, he does so through others. We see that in the text. In verses 8 and 9, if you look at the text with me, it says, Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy, Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, you see that the first person, of course outside of the Lord, but the first person to understand Samuel's calling for the rest of his life wasn't Samuel. It was actually Eli. Samuel didn't know. He kept thinking that the voice was Eli's, and he kept waking up in the middle of the night and going to Eli. Now, could you imagine how this is? This is what's funny to me about it. Eli, an old man, can barely see. Middle of the night, you have Samuel, the 11-year-old, 12-year-old, waking up and and (laughs) just coming to him, saying, here I am. Eli, you can see the, the change here in what Eli says. Eli at first says, I didn't call you. Lie down again. And then the second time it happens, Eli says, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now, there's not tone written into the words of Scripture, but the tone that I hear is, See, here I am, here I am. I didn't call you. Lie down. Here I am, here I am. Son, I didn't call you. Lie down. But it happened a third time, and it was Eli who perceived that it was actually the Lord calling Samuel to something. Why do you need others in your life? One reason why is they might perceive God's current calling on your life. 
you might not know it, and they might. The only way that this happens is if Eli and Samuel are doing life together. What would have happened, maybe, if Eli wasn't a part of this? I mean, God is in control. He's sovereign. But it would have looked very different. The way that the Lord finally and successfully calls Samuel is through another. And what we see, too, sometimes calling takes activity. Sometimes God calls in our life, takes activity. Three times in verses 4, 6, and 8, God calls. Of course, Samuel doesn't really understand the first two times, but notice his response. Here I am. I'm here. He gets up. He goes to Eli. Sometimes calling takes our activity. And sometimes God's calling upon us takes patience. You see this in verse 9. After Eli perceives that God is calling Samuel, he says, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say. It's a very strong word. Go and lie down, chill out, relax. And then Eli's phrase, if he calls you. Eli wasn't going to presume upon the Lord that he was for sure going to call Samuel again. But he said, go lie down, be patient. And if he does, you better be ready. We need people in our lives to tell us this. We need to see it in the scriptures as well. God calls who he wants. He calls how he wants. And God calls us into what he wants. Eli was a priest with bad signs. Samuel ends up being not only a prophet, but he also acted as a judge. There's no way that Hannah would have known when Samuel was born that he would be the last functional judge in all of Israel. Had no idea that he would be a significant prophet. And honestly, it's not like Samuel pursued that. We do talk at Trinity, and I believe it, that our calling is where our great passion and the world's need meet and mingle. But sometimes we don't realize that until after we're already in it. God called Samuel into what he wanted him to do. Samuel didn't prepare for it, didn't go to school. He was young, but he became a great prophet over Israel and a judge over Israel. God calls who he wants, how he wants, and into what he wants. And what we see later in 1 Samuel is Samuel, as an adult, he goes in to a small city, Bethlehem, to anoint in secret a boy as the new king over Israel, really the second king. And he would later provide, Samuel would, he would provide sanctuary for this new king when the jealous old king tried to have the new king killed. Who was the new king? It was David himself, a boy, when he was anointed king. So do you trace it back and do you see it? As an 11-year-old boy, God calls Samuel 
really on a mission to be a prophet, to be a judge, who would one day pave the way for another boy to be the king over Israel. And that boy, David, would one day himself have a son of a son of a son who would be the forever king over Israel, Jesus. Jesus' kingship is tied to an 11-year-old boy perceiving God's call in the middle of a Jewish night. Isn't that amazing? How God weaves all of these things together, weaves our calling together. And while we're not going to be called to pave the way for the incarnation of the Son of God, like Samuel, like David, Jesus uses this, the preaching of his word. He uses our community. He uses the Lord's Supper. He uses all of these things to call us both to himself and into what we should be doing, ways in which his kingdom is coming here. His will is, be done, be, is being done here. Friends, we find our greatest pull toward what God has for us when we see God's call upon him. What was Jesus called to? It was very simple. Jesus was called to be made man, to live a perfect life, to suffer and die for his people. That's what we're reminded again of here in the Lord's Supper. This is not about our calling. It's about his. His friends, our callings might change over the years. It might change when you're in retirement. It might change after you get out of school and you find ways in which God might be calling you to something else. But this always remains the same. 